0: I'm Rachel Johnson, co-host of the EduGals podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com.
1: Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Kevin Paul Scott, the co-founder of Addo, a leadership consultancy in Atlanta, Georgia. Addo exists to inspire people today to impact tomorrow. Our focus is Kevin's latest book, Inspired Every Day, Three Indispensable Ingredients to Connect with Your Passion. Awesome book, powerful conversation. Thanks for listening. Uh, by the way, before you go, it'd be so cool if you uh, went to my website, slash reviews, and left a review. It's so simple. You just go in there and click on a button. That'd be nice. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show.
0: It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show. With lots of groovy guests, and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that yeah, here's another show with Dr. Steve Maletto teaching, learning, leading K-12, teaching, learning, leading K-12,
1: teaching, learning, leading K-12, ah, ah, with Dot Maletto. Kevin Paul Scott has traveled to six continents and spoken to leaders f- from more than 100 countries. Kevin is the co-founder of Addo, a leadership consultancy based in Atlanta, Georgia. Addo exists to inspire people today to impact tomorrow. In addition to working with businesses and brands, Addo has developed the National Chick-fil-A Leader Academy program, the Atlanta Braves Leadership Institute, and other leadership programs from cradle through career. Prior to founding Addo, Kevin's background included nonprofit charitable work, business ventures, and politics. After graduating from the University of Georgia, go dogs, Kevin served on a presidential campaign team and then worked as a representative for a United States congressman. Kevin is the author of four books, including his latest, Inspired Every Day, Three Indispensable Ingredients to Connect with Your Passion. In consecutive years, Kevin was named to the 40 Under 40 list for Georgia Trend and then the Atlanta Business Chronicle. For his leadership and business acumen, Kevin has been featured on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and in numerous publications, including the New York Times, Washington Post, and Los Angeles Times. For fun, Kevin has been cage diving with great white sharks in South Africa, which really sounds cool, trekked mountain gorillas in Uganda, and ridden a llama in Colombia. However, he most enjoys being at home with his wife, Laura, and his children, George and Amelia. Our focus today is on his book, Inspired Every Day, Three Indispensable Ingredients to Connect with Your Passion. Kevin, thanks for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Hey, Steve. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, great to have you here. And uh, you got an awesome book, and I can't wait to talk about it. But before we do that, I mean, you got so much cool stuff. I I had to pick and choose, and uh, I just can't miss this. I mean, as being a graduate of UGA, I mean, we got back to back national championship football wins. What do you think about that?
0: Okay, so I'm going to show my age here, but I was born after 1980. So (sighs) my entire life, I had never experienced a national championship. I had dealt with the humiliation from our friends at Auburn and Tennessee and Florida and Alabama even Georgia Tech so uh it feels really good
1: this is this is good' it's, life is good isn't it it's awesome you know it's like, and uh, the <laughs> funny thing is is that the going back in time then I was in Florida then so I was not rooting for I I can remember rooting a Watching Herschel run, and I'm going, ha! <laughs> you know, but uh, you know it's. Uh, but uh, I, uh, you know, this is so. This is cool. I ended up coming up to Georgia, getting my degree, and is there nothing better, man? Because I know what you're. T- I know what you're talking about. All those years of everybody else it. being there. So good stuff. Uh, you know. Uh, okay, so I, I gotta. I gotta at least ask this because how can I mention being in a cage with Great Whites and not ask about it? That had to have been cool. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was so cool. So let me give you a quick story. So Steve, when I
0: graduated from college, uh, I had never been out of the country. So uh, my dad's a firefighter. We, we did vacations in Panama City Beach and uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Uh, but I had a fr- group of friends that asked me to start a company to take uh, college students on trips abroad. And so our first time out of the country was 100 days in Africa, going from Kenya to Cape Town over land. And one of the coolest experiences, if you're in ever in Cape Town, South Africa, uh, they have the opportunity to go cage diving with great, with great white sharks. These are um, some fascinating people. If you ever watch Shark Week, these are a lot of people who used to go hunting for sharks and they had this crisis of conscience that they shouldn't do that anymore. And so they use this mechanism to, uh, to, to basically help people have a greater appreciation. But you are outside of a boat, in a cage, about two thirds of your body is below water. A third is above. They throw this chum out in the water. And then when the sharks come, you you basically, if you imagine this, you push yourself down underwater and you've got these uh, masks, goggles on, whatever, and you see the sharks come right there. Uh, the first one we ever saw was about 16 or 17 feet long. Uh... You know, I did it multiple times, which means
1: I'm probably not very bright. But it was uh, an incredible experience. That's awesome. Uh, you know, just as a note, yes, there is an age difference here, and uh, I've seen, including recently in a re-release of it, I've seen Jaws too many times, and it, and it's, and, and it's like uh, all I can think of is uh, the uh, the you know the ending of a couple main characters in that movie. That it's yeah. like wow, so uh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Kudos to you. That's. Uh, I can only imagine what that feels like to witness it being out there. And that's a big, big fish, man. (laughs) It is a big fish. Jeez, Wow. Nice. Uh, All right. So uh, let's talk about your latest book, Inspired Every Day, Three Indispensable Ingredients to Connect with Your Passion. Where did the idea come from? I mean, what made you say, I got to write this book? All right. Let's talk about two things, Steve. The first is this. The
0: latest research shows that 79% of workers in America are disengaged at work. 79%. It's actually, if you divide it up, it it actually sounds even worse than that. I think it's like 63% are what Gallup calls disengaged. And an additional 16% are what they call actively disengaged. So these, uh, Jim Collins called those people onboard terrorists uh, they're the ones who aren't just, I mean, some people right now are thinking of somebody in their school who's like that. They're, they're, they they show up every day trying to figure out how to bring the deal down. But here's the deal. That's, that's four in five people in the country are not, not inspired. They're not engaged in what they do. And I really believe a lack of engagement is due to a lack of inspiration. So let me tell you a conversation that I've had with thousands of leaders over the last couple of years. I ask them two questions. The first question is this, are you inspired at your work right now? And see, these are people doing important work. These are people in schools and leaders of companies and in the medical profession. And almost every single one of them would say, no, they're not inspired. But then my second question I'll ask them is this, have you ever been inspired at work? Can you think of a time you were inspired? And immediately they're like, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's this one moment or it was this time where something was really hard or challenging, but they can think of a time that they were inspired. And so my question has been, if you're not inspired now, but you have been at one time, could you almost, now I'm not a Georgia Tech guy, so so you gotta help me out here, but (laughs) could you reverse engineer inspiration? And that sounds weird, but could you go back and say, what was it? at that moment where there certain things that existed in your environment at that time that helped you be inspired and if you could identify what those things were, could you actually work to create an environment it, whereby you spend more of your time being inspired? Does that make sense? Like, Oh yeah. What was it that was there at that time and could you go and try to make that happen more often so that you spend more of your time being inspired rather than uninspired? And if you could do that, how would that change the game?
1: Oh, that's powerful guess yeah, you're right. And uh, um, just as a note, my uh, my wife and son would be impressed that uh, the two Georgia guys were taught actually mentioned that uh, reverse engineering or something like that's this. Right. <laughs> hey, I you know I,
0: I may not be uh, as smart as some of those guys, but we can look back and see how you do that. So th- that's the question: Could you engineer it? And I love that, Steve. The book is. Um, I think when people hear the word inspiration, this is what they expect. Uh, they expect their, the book to be like with somebody's picture on the cover that's a motivational speaker that's like, live your best life now. Uh, and you've read the book, Oh, I just say, it's not that, it is, it's actually a lot of research that says, what does it take for inspiration to exist? And then if we create that environment and apply inspiration, how does that change both us individually
1: and the places we show up every single day. And yeah, I love that. That's it's uh, cause you're, you're exactly right. By the way, I liked your imitation there. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's so power It's so powerful because when you're, when you're talking about this and looking at that and look, looking at, like you said, re-engineering. So you come back to, you know, what made you want, what, why were you inspired before? What is it that was making you, Approach it differently than what you are maybe now, because that's a, you know, like you said, it's a big percentage of people saying that they're not engaged or that's this is, they don't feel the same at work. And so how can we get us into where we need to be? And, you know, I got to say this at the beginning of the book, you say this, being inspired in our careers, our families, and in every endeavor, isn't just a nice add on. We can take or leave. It's the engine that drives us to excel in our work and relationships. Could you talk about this statement? Because it's a cool way to begin.
0: Yeah. Well, so uh, you mentioned our company, Addo. Addo is the Latin word for inspire. So this is something that we're passionate about from our ethos of what we're about. And it's exactly what we said there. Inspiration isn't just like, oh, it would be nice if I was. I, I believe it is the thing we need to show up and be our best every single day because there is a difference in how we perform and how we respond to people and how we tackle challenges when we are inspired. Uh, So yeah, it's not something that's just like, well, I'm not, I guess I'll just survive without it. If we wanna create high-performing environments, and by the way, that's true in the business world and in the education world, we need to show up every single day inspired to tackle
1: those challenges. You know, that's, because uh, I, I think it's often, it's easy enough to say, you know, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to be this, or I'm going to, but, you know, never follow through with it. <laughs> and, but at the moment, it sounds good. Um,
0: yeah, I, I would, it, inspiration to me does some, there are these practical benefits of it, what you're talking about there. it's, it's Inspiration gives you the passion, it gets you excited to get up in the morning. When you're inspired, you, you don't want to just roll out of bed. You, you want to get out of bed. You want to get tackle things. Inspiration gives you direction. So when you're inspired to tackle something, you're, you're, you know, where you're headed and inspiration provides a willingness to tackle challenges. Even when you want to quit, you know, that, that that's the difference in being inspired, not inspired. Anybody is willing to start doing something. It's, that most people want to quit when things get hard, when you're inspired, you're willing to keep going and persist through those challenges. And so again, it's not fluffy. There's practical benefits to inspiration.
1: Love it. In your, in your book, uh, you get into uh, a couple of terms. I want to talk about that. So, so let's talk about what role, purpose, problem, and partners have to do with inspiration.
0: Okay. So the, the book, we talk about three indispensable ingredients. Now, let me be honest with you, because I know anybody who does a book, it's like, here's the only secrets you need. If you just do these two things or these five things, you'll be inspired. Well, let me tell you, there, there are other things that have to take place to be inspired all the time. I'm not saying that these three are it, but I am saying that they are indispensable, meaning I do not believe you can sustain inspiration without these three things. Okay. So without these three, there is nowhere even to start And those three are purpose, problems, and partners, purpose, problem, and partners. And each of those means something unique, but it's the combination of the three that really matters. I'll I'll hit them quickly and we can come back to any you want to spend time on, Steve. Number one, purpose, that's about the vision. It's the direction. It's, It's something that you want to accomplish. By the way, I find a lot of young people, they have that purpose when they're in high school, or when they're in college, they the next thing is to graduate, or the next thing is to do this. So they've got a purpose. So often, we achieve a certain goal, and then we feel like we don't have that next purpose. My goal was to be a principal. Well, now that I've become a principal, what's your next purpose, okay? The second piece is problems. And a lot of people right now, they're, they're already turning off the podcast, because they're like, if you're telling me I need problems to be inspired, I don't want any part of it. <laughs> but the truth is, we're not inspired when things are easy. If you think about right now, the people in your life who are the most inspiring, the people we talk about in classes, they're all individuals who've overcome obstacles. So if the people who overcome obstacles are inspiring, yet we're trying to spend our life trying to make everything easier, something is missing there. And the third is partners. And I find this is really key in any environment, in a lot of businesses that we work with steve remote work has hurt this but i often find even in school environments there are so many roles that feel incredibly isolating you're surrounded by people but you're working on your own thing and if you don't feel like you're really in partnership you've got to have all three you got to have a purpose you got to have a problem to overcome and you got to have partners to to do it with. If you have all three of those, you at least have started to lay the groundwork to have inspiration. If you're not inspired right now, the first question I'd ask is which one of those three are you missing? If you feel aimless, it's probably the purpose piece. If you feel apathetic, you're probably missing some challenges, some problems you need. Or if you feel alone, you're missing those partners to tackle challenges with.
1: I love this because this is, uh, you know, and it's just, and I, and I got a, you know, the, the purpose, the challenge, you know, the problems, and then the partners. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I want to just kind of um, mention here is that I, I think we have seen the, you know, a lot of people talk about, uh, they may really like being able to remote work or something like this, but if they're really honest with you, I often want them to talk about what, you know, that thing that they're missing, which is that interaction, that. You know, because you can talk one way like this, like we're on television or something like that, but uh, it's it's not the same. It's uh it's not the same. The nuances or or just the joking with each other, or the interacting, or the actual brainstorming, or actually the f- the feeling of understanding whether somebody, you know, the reading of the room type of thing, understanding that they actually want to say something to you about they got a concern about whatever direction you're going, but they don't want to voice it because it's a little easier to get off the yeah it's good okay see you later see you later bye click you know uh-huh. um as uh-huh. opposed to when you're in the same room and you read the room and you go
0: it's totally different the, the interaction and the Eq piece of it you're right yeah. and and so we need that we need other people and by the way that's it's not possible forever there's people doing remote work right now and having to thrive but so you got to have somebody who it feels on like they're on your team you're working together to accomplish something.
1: Most definitely. Most definitely. I, you know, what, one of the things that uh, you get into in, in your book is uh, you explain that there's a difference between inspiration and motivation. Can we go there? For sure.
0: So, I, and I am I want you to hear this. I'm not saying that motivation is bad. Uh, the The late great Zig Ziglar used to say, uh, some people say motivation doesn't last. And then he'd say, he'd always quit back. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. Right. Nice. Um, so motivation is good. Motivation is often extrinsic. So it it you know I can motivate I, I, let me just let's go to education for a second. I can motivate a student to try to do something. I can motivate them with if I'm a coach I can motivate them with playing time or I can motivate them they're not going to be able to participate in this performance if they don't get this certain grade. Motivation isn't bad. There there are certainly places for that but inspiration is when you tap into something within that student that makes them want to do it for themselves. And that inspiration is something that can be sustained. We often think about inspiring others. I think we've got to look at ourselves for that. What is it? Yeah, I can be motivated a little bit. I can be motivated when my pants don't fit that I need to lose a couple pounds, but am I going to be inspired to get up every day and have a healthier lifestyle? Uh, it's not always easy, but it's the thing that is intrinsic and it's longer lasting. So when possible inspiration is always more effective than motivation.
1: Excellent. You know, one of the things that uh, um, I think that, uh, you know, when, when people are reading and thinking about this and, and just as a note listeners, I got to make sure there is so much, I, I had to, I really had to fight with myself about, okay, what am I going to ask? What am I going to ask? What am I going to ask? Because I don't want to give away all of the book either. So it's at the same time, um, just want to say that because it's, it's really, um, powerful in thinking about how you approach things, what decisions you're making thoughts that you have, um, about how you, uh, um, approach, you know, how you're going to, you know, whatever this challenge is that you have or what you're thinking about, you know, what, have I gotten stagnant in what I'm doing right now? I mean, there's, there's a number of things that really come to mind as, as I was reading your book. And, you know, one of the things in an early chapter, you say this, here's a hard truth. If your approach is to run away, anytime a problem presents itself, you won't develop the inner resolve to be inspired every day and you won't inspire others. All right. Talk with me about this because this okay. is cool. Oh, uh, here we go, Steve. Okay.
0: I got, I got two things I want to hit on this one. First of all, we got to just hit this problem piece. So w- what we're talking about there is if you run away from problems, you won't be inspired and you won't inspire others. What is the connection between problems and being inspired? I had somebody stand in front of our team one day and they wrote four words on a board. They wrote the word simple and drew a line and wrote the word complicated underneath. Simple and complicated. And then they wrote the word easy and hard. Simple, complicated, easy, hard. Simple, complicated, easy, hard. And they asked this question. When we are trying to work with others, should we make things simple or complicated? We said simple. I think everybody would agree. When you can simplify something, that that there is power in that. People want something sim- simplified. But then the second question, that this coach asked us was a little tricky. He said, should we make things easy or hard? I'm going to just be honest with you. Our, our team said easy. And he looked at us. He said wrong. And this is what he said. I want you to think about this. Oh, I love this. He said, I want everybody in this room. And I'm going to ask everybody listening to this podcast right now to think about what you've accomplished in your life that you're most proud of. What are you most proud of? I mean, I, I love the answers. The ones from our room were graduating from college. Uh, being a single parent, staying married, uh, running a marathon, getting out of debt. I mean, it's all these kind of things. All of them are really, really hard things. And this is said, the things we've accomplished in life that we're most proud of were hard, yet we spend most of our life trying to make our life easier. Why do we do that? Well, knowing when we look back, the things in our career that we accomplished that we we're proud of were hard, yet we were trying to make our jobs easier. And, so we need to do hard things. we've got to help re- develop that resolve. I, I say it this way that the greatest leaders simplify systems to amplify effort, simplify this so we got to make systems simpler to amplify amplify effort. So then the question is for me and you if we should be tackling problems and this gets back to your question what makes us run toward problems and I love this story in the book, it's one that I had heard and I just felt the need to share, and it's a story about a cow and a buffalo. You remember that one, Steve? Yes, I do. A cow and the buffalo. Now, I am admittedly a cow in this, so I've got to learn to be a buffalo. If you've never heard this story, this principle is fascinating. If a cow, imagine this, is standing in a field, and that cow senses a storm coming, and for the sake of this illustration, let's say that the storm is moving from west to east. The cow is standing in the field it senses a storm is coming from west to east the cow's natural reaction is to move away from the storm so the storm coming from west to east the cow moves eastward the problem is cows are slow so that storm eventually catches the cow and while now the cow is underneath the rain the cow continues to try to move away from the storm And if you get this picture the cow ends up spending a whole lot more time in the storm than if they would have just stood still originally okay the buffalo on the other hand if the buffalo is in the same position and senses a storm moving from west to east the storm, the buffalo actually moves in the direction of the storm and so the buffalo confronts the storm or the problem if you will head on And keeps moving that way, so the the buffalo ends up spending less time in the problem. Here's the thing for us. Number one, we need to be more of the buffalo. This is not being a bull in a china shop, but we need to be willing to confront challenges head on. And if you've ever been in a position of leadership, you know this to be true. Even though it's uncomfortable, when we confront challenges head on, they usually are shorter in duration, and they're never as painful as we thought they were going to be. See, I don't know about you. I know you were a principal for a lot of years, and you've been a leader in education in so many areas. I run a business. I get to do this, but I'm telling you, there are times I avoid problems. I try to not make the phone call back, and every time I delay, I make the problem worse. Bad news doesn't get better with time. We've got to have the courage to confront challenges head on.
1: You got that right. And, uh, and especially in education, <laughs> cause it only gets a lot worse. It did. It does. It, it just compounds whatever, you know, I just it, you know, it, it's, it's like, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I make the phone call? Why didn't I address it? Why did I just not gather everybody up and said, Hey, I, you know, let's talk about this cause something happened here that wasn't supposed to happen and let's just take it on. And, you know, but cause instead, it's the same thing like you're talking about in business. What happens is that it invariably gets worse and you're, then you're stuck with this mountain that you've got to address now that is so much, you know, (laughs) just at a different level than what it could may or may not have been before. And I just, you know, it's so much. So I, I, this section just really speaks loudly because it, uh, you know, it's, uh, um, it's so easy sometimes for someone to say, you know, I'll take care of that tomorrow or, you know, and then tomorrow comes and you're like, well, I'll get it at the end of the day. Well, it's the end of the day. And so I'll just take care of it tomorrow. And, you know, (laughs) Before, before you know it three weeks later i think i'm supposed to call somebody you know uh-huh. um and wow and so uh yeah i love that story of the cow and the buffalo that's that's awesome i like it all right so uh later in your book you note sifting my priorities keeps my focus sharp okay so what are you talking there because i i love this okay maybe the most transformational
0: thing for me as a leader has been an effort to prioritize my priorities, to prioritize my priorities. Okay. I don't know how many of your listeners are like me. I am a to do list person. So I, I, and I I, physical, like I I'm standing right here right now. Like I I still this morning, like to get up and say, here's the things I want to get done today. And I have uh 10, 11, 12 things to get done today and feel pretty good about it when I cross a lot of things off those lists. Sometimes this is embarrassing, but I'm going to just, this is good therapy for me, (laughs) Stephen, be honest. Sometimes (laughs) I write down really easy things on that list so I get the sense of satisfaction of crossing them off. I'm like, nice, put on my clothes. Yep. It's going to be, you know, I like crossing things off the list. The problem that I have with that is because I focus on crossing things off i often do the easier things first or i i feel good when i've got 12 things on the list and i do 10 in a day the problem is is the one or two things i should have done on monday get rolled to tuesday and then they roll to wednesday and then they roll to thursday and what happens is i i find that often for leaders we're doing a lot of good things but we aren't doing the most important things and what we've got to do is put our priorities in order. So let me recommend another book. There's a book by Greg McEwan called Essentialism.
1: Have you ever read it? It's a. I've never read it. I've I've okay. heard audiobook uh, audiobook segments of it. I so yeah. I know the book.
0: So uh, we'll give your listeners a great way that they don't even have to read the book if they don't want. It's a great book. But here, <laughs> here here's this principle that he unpacks in the book that I think is fascinating. He says that the word. This is for my English teachers out there, former English teachers. He says the word. Priority came into the English language in the 1400s and it was singular and it stayed singular for the next 500 years. So the word priority is singular for 500 years. And then he says, This only in the 1900s did we pluralize the term and start talking about priorities. And I love this line. This is what he says. He says, Illogically, we reasoned that by changing the word, we could bend reality. Here's what he's saying. You and I are saying, here's our top priorities. Here's our top priorities. And what we need to know and what the people we lead need to know is what's the most important. When two come into conflict, what do I choose? We do a lot of work for for restaurants, but Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, Sonic, those kind. Those restaurants have competing priorities. One priority is speed. Get people through the drive-through faster. One priority is safety. Make sure the food is safe. Guess what? They spend more time talking about speed, but they know for sure when those two come into conflict, I better prioritize food safety over speed. And as customers, we hope that they're doing that. So here's the thing I ask everybody right now. When I say sifting my priorities helps me with my focus, have you prioritized your priorities? Yeah, I know your plate is overwhelming. Yeah, I know you've got more, more things to do than you have time to do them. The question is, what's the most important? And for your team, have you helped them put those in the right order? When you can do that, uh, you unlock potential and leaders in a whole different area.
1: This is just so, you know, it just it grabs you um, in a way in which you know you cannot sh- shake the fact that. Uh, first of all, I love this the story about uh, you know we try to bend reality. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's great. I love that he really says illogically. He says the word we use is illogical. <laughs> um, and By the way, it, see, um, I will never forget. It's m- late March, 2020. COVID is just scramping up. And I remember sitting around a circle with our leaders in our company. And we didn't know what the future looked like. It felt uncertain. And I remember telling our team something I thought was very smart. I said, hey, we're, we're going to cl- take out all the noise. These are our top three priorities over the next month. These are the top three things we're going to focus on. The youngest person on our team, she was 23 years old, graduate of Auburn University. She was not trying to be a smart aleck, Steve. She was being honest. She just said, all right, Kevin, but which one's the most important? Nice. And what she was asking me is, Kevin, okay, I hear these three, but if I can't do all three, or if these two are coming to come, like, which one should I choose? That's the job of the leader is to define reality and set the priorities for their team.
1: That is so important, and it's it's so necessary because going back to what you said about that story, I mean, there's a reason why you you use the word priority. You know, that, I like to use along with that, I like to say something like Christmas wish list, but this is my priority. Uh huh. Singular. Uh-huh. You know, it's like this is uh-huh. I I have all this other stuff I want to accomplish, and I can even put it in order for you, but I probably got to do this one first. And That's a great. Uh-huh. And I think this is in reading these words it helps you understand that that yeah, you need to you know, you you need to think about this because there's everything becomes a priority. It's just like all the research about whether you can really um multitask or not, if that's such a thing. Yep, <laughs> yep that's true. So I love this section. I, you know, toward the conclusion of Inspired Everyday, you comment Vision Leaks and Heart's Drift. It takes commitment, tenacity, and the encouragement of mentors and friends to help us keep our eyes on what really matters. What do you want the reader to think about?
0: Yeah, you know, it goes back to this difference in motivation and inspiration, that motivation is often extrinsic and it's often short-term. Inspiration should be more intrinsic and long-term. And what I really want people to do is think about how to sustain inspiration. I I think when we even say the word inspiration, many people think about a football team about to run through a, you know, the banner at the beginning. They think about this rah rah thing, but real inspiration isn't, that that can be a part of it. Inspiration is, man, I got a tough day ahead. I'm, but I'm willing to get out of bed and tackle these challenges that I need to do. And, and, I want people to think about what does it take to have that over the long haul? I heard this phrase. I was at an event last week and the leader of this nonprofit, a guy named Justin Miller, uh, his organization is called Untold. I'm a big fan of what he does. He started this organization when he's in college. It's been 15 years and he's still doing it. And many people thought, oh, they do it for a couple of years, do something else. But he said this word, he said, or this phrase, he said, I want to have a long obedience in the same direction long obedience in the same direction. And I feel like, you know, for for some of you who've been in this world for a long time, you've been in the education sphere, you know, there's times it gets exhausting and tiring, but being inspired means I'm gonna stay the course. Even when it's hard, I'm gonna keep doing it. Even when parents are difficult, I'm gonna do it. Even when it's not the way that I wish it would be and there's other external factors I've got to deal with, being inspired means I've got the commitment and the tenacity to keep doing what matters most.
1: I think it's so important, and I love this this section because, you know, so easy sometimes. You, you just get you know you're talking with people or you're meeting with your team or something like this, and um, you know it's possible that someone's tiring of being focused on this or something like that, and it's uh, or you know looking over here and there might be this you know shiny silver object over this way. And I'd really love to go this way. And it's like, no, we got to, we got come back, come back here. And even with yourself, you know, the, the idea that I might see that shiny silver object, or I might decide that I need to, you know, I, I want to start focus on something else, even though I haven't finished what I've been trying to accomplish. And, and I, I just think this is speaks loudly to that idea that, you know, the, the reason why vision leaks and hearts drift is because, you know, we, we are who we are, we're people. And so we kind of got to smack ourselves back on the track or something like this, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you ever raced HO cars or any of that stuff or the AFX cars or anything like that. But, you know, once in a while I got to stick them back on the track cause they, they flip <laughs> off, you know, I gotta, that's what you made me think about. So I think it's cool. So, um, you I'll know, that illustration, <laughs> thanks. uh, you know, uh, before we finish, you know, it, cause your, your book's amazing and there's so many different aspects of it that I, I mean, listeners, it, you got to, you're going to be, it's going to inspire you to focus on what you need to focus on. And uh, uh, before we finish, could you share what it is like to work with Addo? Yeah, I would love
0: to. Uh, Let me give you this for those who may not be familiar. So Addo, we started in 2011 and started uh, in the education space. So I, uh, I had a desire that I wanted to impact high school students. I wanted to see, Uh, them have the opportunity to lead at a higher level, I think. Um, I I love this quote. Pearl Buck said, the young do not know enough to be prudent, and therefore they attempt the impossible and achieve it generation after generation. Basically, young people aren't smart enough to know better, so they try things that everybody says are impossible, and then they (laughs) do them. And I really believe that if you can unlock and unleash the potential of high school students, that would be amazing. Here's my problem. I didn't want to be a nonprofit that raised money and only reached uh, a certain group of the population. And I also didn't want to uh, have a for-profit business that charged money. And I knew these great camps or leadership programs, but they were really limited to students that came from a more affluent background or had a lot of academic promise. And so I decided if we want to reach high school students, we need to do it with some other person's money who wanted to reach that audience. And at the time we learned being in Atlanta, that Chick-fil-A, that 80% of their employees were under the age of 21. It's now about 65% of them. But we took this idea and we said, Hey, we want to impact high school students. Will you pay for it? And if you pay for it, we'll be able to impact high school students. But you will get to put your brand in front of a young audience. Uh, You get to connect in your community and you get to live out the values you care about. Chick-fil-A wants to be the most caring company. They can do that in a tangible way. And so that program we piloted in Cobb County, Georgia in three high schools in 2013. Uh, This upcoming fall, this program will be in 1200 high schools in 42 States It's called Chick-fil-A Leader Academy. It's, um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, probably 80% of what I do at Addo is related to workforce. It really is actually in the businesses. How do they attract talent, develop talent, keep talent? But 20% of what I get to do is still in schools uh, on the student side. And it still is my favorite part of what we do because I think, um, I know it's it's tiring and exhausting, but when you can impact a student's life you can change the trajectory of their life, and uh, Abraham Lincoln said, uh, basically, the generate uh, the the philosophy of the classroom in one generation is the philosophy of government in the next. I can't Republican Democrat doesn't matter. I, it's you'd be hard for us to find people who really think our government's doing as well as it should be right now on either side. That means if I believe what Abraham Lincoln said, if we can change students' lives at an earlier level, give them the skills to confront challenges, we've got to hope that our country is
1: going to be in better shape down the road. Love that. That is so powerful. That is, it, it, this is so cool. I, you know, um, one of the things that uh, um, I got to ask you here is I'm going to, I'm going to put you like you're in a, uh, in a you're a keynote speaker at a, at like a conference for, you know, in, in Georgia, we have the Georgia Association of Educational Leaders or uh, the Georgia Association of Secondary School uh, Secondary Superintendents or something like this. You know, and, and uh, uh, if you had the chance to talk with a room full of high school principals in July, just before the faculty returns, so they have time to think. <laughs> All right. They have a little bit of time to think before everybody gets there. Uh, what is something that you would say to them that if you would want them to think about as they left your talk?
0: Oh, I would love that. I get one key message but i think this is what they've got to acknowledge first Uh, the thing that i hear principals saying all the time is they've got more turnover than they've ever had they got people and it's not just retirement it's people leaving education the two industries with the highest burnout are healthcare and education both people that are changing the world yet they're walking away from what they do and I feel like there is a tendency for a high school principal to listen to this and say, I know I need my people to be inspired, but but that can actually feel like a ton of weight on you because you may think I'm not an inspiring leader. Like I, I can't do the rah-rah thing. I can't do it. And maybe this one line will give you hope and some opportunity to change the game this school year. Here's the deal. The greatest leaders do not manufacture inspiration. They find it and fuel it. Let me say it again. The greatest leaders do not manufacture inspiration. They find it and fuel it. Here's what you need to know. It's not all on you. You don't have to go get the right talk and just the right kickoff and the right strategy this year. All that is going to be helpful. But the thing you've got to do is you've got to mine out inspiration in your school find the teacher who's really excited about something find the student success story find the the bright spots and then your job is to pour gasoline on them to to spread those in fact if you can just become a storyteller learning the st- the finding where inspiration exists and then spreading those stories out to the, to your community i think you improve your culture your climate you find ways for both teachers and students to be inspired you don't have to create it. You got to find it and you got to fuel it.
1: Nice. I I love that cuz that's that's really it's it's so important. I mean, you you got uh, you think about uh, what you just said about the the you know, thinking that it, it's it's over with or it's coming to an end or burnout or whatever overwhelm, whatever you want to call it is that uh, it's so large because it's especially if you care about what you're trying to do and you running into different brick walls that stop you from being able to, or feel like you're being successful or whatever. And, uh, oh you know, this is just, uh, being able to, uh, understand, uh, um, that thought about, uh, how they can help, you know, set some, you know, get people burning, you know, get them, get them working on fire, getting their, their thoughts just going the right direction. And so forth. I love it. I, um, good stuff, you know, making it happen again. Uh, you know, that's, that's really what we're there for. So, you know um, one of the things that uh, Kevin, I want to make sure that I ask everyone if, if someone to follow up and connect with you and, or learn more, where would you send them?
0: I give you a few. First of all, my website is kevinpaulscott.com and I have a blog that comes out every Tuesday morning. It's free. I'm not trying to sell anybody anything, but that's a great way to, if you need some, a, a shot of inspiration, Tuesday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern. uh, That's a great way to do it. Uh, You can find links to my books there or even our Addo website. So those are all opportunities. If you're specifically in education, I can tell you three things. Our high school program for uh, Chick-fil-A Leader Academy, it's free. The problem is you got to have a Chick-fil-A that pays for it. So if you're not in an area where a Chick-fil-A is, I can't help you there, but that's an opportunity for a free high school program. We do have an elementary school character program uh, social emotional learning called the voyage. And then I do, you asked me about speaking to groups that that's one of my favorite things. I've, I've got three lined up already. I think two elementary schools and a high school to kick off this year. So anytime I can be a part of inspiring teachers, I love the chance to do that.
1: Awesome. Excellent. I'll put information in the show notes. So it's easy for them to come connect with you. I got two last questions for you, Kevin, and they go like this. How, How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit?
0: Yeah, I think it's, you've got to be inspired. You've got to have, I, for me personally, I've got to remind, if I want to quit, I got to remind myself of the purpose uh, because purpose is paramount. If I don't have something that I'm shooting for, I'll quit all the time. Uh, and, and so the purpose helps you, makes you, I, I love this old Southern phrase. It makes you want to hang in there like a hair in a biscuit. Uh, we need to find a purpose that makes us not want to let go and
1: quit. Nice, I like that, uh, like a hair and a biscuit, man. I like that. That's cool. <laughs> um, awesome. So, uh, last question: Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it, and what would you say if given the chance to say thank you?
0: Yeah, eighth grade, uh, Miss Wingate. Um, I had a lot of academic potential and not a lot of follow through. I didn't. I, I was the kid that just didn't really apply myself. And I'll never forget her. You know, I, I found that there were teachers that would just be frustrated with me and do this. But I, I've gone back and looked at this several times. She wrote in my eighth grade yearbook, Margaret Owingate wrote this. She said, Kevin, if you ever realize your full potential and you actually apply yourself, there will be no stopping you. And uh, I think it's just a reminder. And I'd, I'd remind anyone in education that your words have such power. And now, wow, 20-something, 25 years later, I remember words from an eighth-grade teacher. Uh, And so I'm thankful for her, and uh, I just encourage people. You may may not know the seeds you sow now and how they will uh, reap a harvest down the road. So I'd encourage other people to keep doing that.
1: Excellent. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for talking with me today. Inspired Every Day, Three Indispensable Ingredients to Connect with Your Passion is a must-read. Inspired Every Day challenges the reader to find their passion and purpose, to live inspired, and to inspire others. What a powerful book. Wishing you success in all you do. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators, podcast by educators. Teaching Learning Leading K 12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K 12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K 12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K 12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.